We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Yin's No Ball podcast. I am John Ledyard. With me is Brad Spielberger. We are ready to talk about another soul-crushing Steelers loss, but not actually that much, Brad, because you're a Bears fan. And this actually helped the Bears quite a bit. The Steelers have now given victories to the Cardinals and to the Patriots, who are the Bears' top competition for the number one spot because they have the Panthers' pick. And also, the Bears' own pick is now looking a little bit better. I mean, still behind those two teams, but still looking better for how this could shake out. So this is a big five-day stretch for the Bears, even though it was uh, pretty negative for the Steelers. I know this provides zero solace or comfort for all our Yinzers out there. We appreciate. But, yeah, if it gives you 1% of joy, just know that I'm I'm a little bit happier, a little more <laughs> pep in my step this morning. No, it's great, too, because we went from Lovey Smith last year with the Houston Texans win to now Mitchell Trubisky just putting up an absolute clunker uh, in primetime for us. So, yeah, a couple of former I... Bears legends uh, wow. just keeping keeping the tradition going. Build, build a statue. I forgot the Trubisky element completely until you just said it right now. I just totally blanked on it. That's that's wild. Um, very cool, very fun. Um, I also actually feel the same way you do, to be honest. Like to me, like I realized as this game started, I was just like, you know what? This would be what it takes. Like losing a game like this to a team that's down bad as it gets in the NFL. They've had their own chemistry locker room issues, type of stuff. They don't even know who they want to be a quarterback. The guy they are starting a quarterback, they cut. At least once. They got him twice? I think multiple times, yeah. <laughs> yeah, got him twice. And, so. uh, yeah, it, so it was like, okay, yeah, if you lose to a good team right now, everybody's going to be like, oh, you're Mitch Trubisky, and we have injuries at linebacker, and people use all those excuses. And I get it, but I'm I'm not buying those excuses. But lose to a team that's completely decimated like the Patriots, can't cover anybody still. Like, all the same issues continue to come up. Like, not only that, the defensive line isn't as dominant as they should be, like, it's just like, okay, this is just over. Like, you just can't keep this out. So even for me as a Steeler fan, I felt like vindication, especially given our podcast earlier in the week. And in some ways, I felt like this is what it takes. It's going to take a little bit of suffering like this to for this organization to wake up and do the things that I think to a lot of people are becoming more and more clear need to be done. No, for sure. And we talked about, well, obviously, we're going to dive into some other topics, not just sit here and lament this loss. But yeah, like it does 
not even just the two and 10 Patriots team. They had three wide receivers dressed last night, <laughs> like in Juju Smith-Schuster, who had a decent revenge game, which also probably kind of twisted the knife a little bit. Uh, and then Jalen Rager and Tyquan Thornton were the only other wide receivers to put on uniforms last night. I think Tyquan had two catches for 14 yards. We kind of made fun, of, made fun of him on the last show. And I don't even remember hearing Jalen Rager's name. And you still let Bailey Zappi go for like 250. The last piece, yes, it was bad weather, but a defensive head coach who's probably going to get fired in a month or whatever, two months, in Brandon Staley allowed zero points to the same Patriots offense four days ago um, that you give up 21 first half points to with mm-hmm. Bailey Zappi slinging it all over the yard. So and Zeke like Elliott. The, yeah. Yeah. And Zeke Elliott, uh, again, a career resurgence. Catching the ball on the fly. Well. I mean, the, yeah. 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 The, the, the chase down tackle may have been his best play of the game uh, yeah. on Michael Walker, but, but yeah, no. So like it, it does on a larger point, it, it's tough to where, and this is like, I guess Steelers fans are here now. It's probably why they hate going 500. They get the whole purgatory thing. But it's also like I hate rooting for losses. I can't really get myself to do it. I think we've talked like off air, not on the yeah. show. Yeah. When I'm watching the Bears games, I'm rooting for them to win the whole time because that's just how I'm wired. But right. then after they lose, I'm like, well, you know, okay. Yeah, that's like, all I yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, but like that's – you do have – it's not just losing to certain opponents. It's like if the Bears lose to the Packers in an embarrassing fashion in week 18, it could swing like – whether Matt Eberflus is back next year or not. And it's like, first of all, I like the guy. I've met him. He's a, he's a nice dude, but he's not an NFL head coach. And like, do I want him to get fired? No, I'm not rooting for someone to lose their job. But it's like, mm-hmm. if you told me, hey, Brad, if you go 6-11 and 11 with a week 18 win over Green Bay, or you go 5-12 and 12 with a loss yeah. to Green Bay, and the 6-11 and 11 keeps Matt Eberflus, and the 5-12, and 12, you get an offensive 35-year-old head coach, Am I then rooting for a loss? Like in a way, yes. <laughs> right, sure. Yeah. It's it is a tricky thing to quantify. Once they went down 21-3, I was like, you know what? This is this is actually good. Like, you know, I think everybody that listens knows uh my wife Brittany is a die-hard Steelers fan. So she's like, you know, every we never obviously, you know, doing this and haven't missed games, but she never never missed game. Like everything, even she was just like, I don't even know. Like this, like I don't even feel bad. Like, and she would get like furious in the past. She was just like, This is like what, what we have. This is what has to happen. Like, this is this is what needs to happen. And so it was just felt like necessary. Like uh the consequences for actions, it was just uh in a lot of ways. It felt just where early in the season they're playing like trash. There's all winning games. It's like this isn't just like which hey, I'm a fan, so I was fine with it, but eventually like i can understand when justice comes and it it came last night this was the miserable game as you said we're not going to necessarily talk a ton about this game a we had to record on friday before the tape has really come out for me so i haven't really been able to review the tape i watched live and it was the only game on so i was able to see a lot more than i even would a typical sunday and they really lock in on some of the key details to me though there's elements of this like defensively they didn't hold up their end of things we could probably get into the specifics of the Patriots picking on a couple matchups to get what they did offensively, which are really two, two really good drives. And the Steelers couldn't keep them out of the red zone out of the end zone on uh, the short field either. So that, that was really what it came down to. Obviously new England had tons of struggles offensively too, but just allowing those two to have 21 points to a team that can't score and hasn't scored over 10 points uh, for the last three weeks is not good enough. That is not good enough. And that team was actually more depleted now than they were during those weeks. And so that was another just, yeah, it was just not good enough at all defensively. That would probably be the part that I would get into a little more on the tape study on the other elements of this game. It was just obvious that Mitch Trubisky was horrendous. Like that was the biggest part of the game to me. Like he was horrible. And I actually think I look a little bad for this too. I've been tooting my own horn with being right about this organization and the way things are headed. But I even said that I thought 
like Kenny Pickett and him were kind of like similar tiered quarterbacks. And while I don't think Kenny would have like made the difference in this game necessarily, there's nothing about his resume that proves that to me. Uh, there, Mitch Trubisky was a whole nother level of bad in this game. And I don't know if that would be true every week with Trubisky, but in this game, this matchup, Belichick, he was so bad. Like, it, I mean, missing guys, throwing the ball to the other team. He was lucky he wasn't intercepted a couple other times in this game. Um, moving into sacks. The pass protection was outstanding in this game for the most part. He moved his way into multiple sacks, uh, could not progress past his first read. As soon as he had to, he was getting panicky in the pocket, and it was so, so, so bad. And for Tomlin, who's the other part of this, they, they're both wearing clown hats this morning, I think, for Tomlin to come and be like after, I've never considered Mason Rudolph. And that means, which like, I don't expect him to say it to the media, but I don't think he'll go to Mason Rudolph this week. Uh, which I don't think Mason Rudolph is great, but you cannot go back to a performance uh, to a quarterback that played the way that Mr. Trubisky just played. So to me, just as we're touching on this game quickly, Trubisky was the headliner, which everybody's kind of, oh, where, how much blame does Kenny Pickett deserve for certain games? There's been games where it's been bad. This one was clear as disastrous as everything, as everything was defensively. And we can talk about that probably at another time. Mr. Trubisky was so bad. It didn't give them a chance to win this game. At all. And I think the thing there is we talked about, okay, maybe you get some high variance. You get Kenny hits on as many deep shots as as Trubisky hit last night. Maybe not quite as good of a runner. He did pick up a couple first downs with his legs, but again, Kenny can to a degree do that. The funny thing is, even on his touchdown pass, uh, which I just talked about on the, the PF NFL show, look, the, the depth of the pass was perfect. The width, the accuracy from where he put it was horrendous. Like Deontay Johnson had an incredible adjustment right. to go to his outside shoulder when the middle of field middle of the field was open with no defender for a mile. But again, the touch was perfect to get it over, uh, you know, the defender. But nevertheless, like it was still not even that good of a throw. And he kind of ran into pressure on that play. He like shuffled to his left. Mm -hmm. and I think it was yeah. supposed to be a bit of a diagonal drop back, but still like he walked into pressure on the one nice throw he made the entire game. I was joking on the show too. We only have him with two turnover-worthy plays. One, obviously, um, we three if you include the interception that was called back for the penalty. Which, trust me, it was going to be a pick whether the penalty happened or not. It was there were six different guys that could have picked off that ball um, on the first one. But yeah, no, he was he was unplayable. He was downright atrocious. It it does, I guess, help Kenny a little bit, you know, optically by how bad he looked. But yeah, I mean. And then just decision making, like you said, bailing from clean pockets. I mean, the shuffle to Jalen Warren on fourth and three at the, you know, in the low red zone, who got blown up by whatever whoever that was, um, Mac Wilson or or you know Jelani Tavai, whoever made that tackle. Like, and then you have Pickens throwing a tantrum in the end zone, which last night was probably warranted. Yeah, I mean, he he is. I agree with you too. I thought Broderick. I watched a little bit of tape. I thought Broderick Sumalo and James Daniels were all yeah. like exceptional, like very, very right. good. I agree. You know, Dan Moore and Mason Cole are Dan Moore yeah. and Mason Cole. But but yeah, like it was he was just he was just unplayably bad last night. He was under pressure on 44 percent of his dropbacks last night. And I don't know how you guys quantify this. I know you don't have any like public data on those. But I, I like how much of that was the quarterback's responsibility. Uh, that just seemed like overwhelmingly his fault, in my opinion. Like just watching last night, like I just felt like most of the time they gave him time. I mean, average time to throw on those plays was over three and a half seconds. And so it just suggests how much he was holding the ball and just wouldn't get it out of his hand. Like there are guys open in some of these concepts and he wouldn't get it out of his hand. And then there were plenty of other concepts that were just like, Totally mind-numbing, like the second and long runs, knowingly putting a quarterback as bad as Mitch Trubisky is in third and long was just so crazy to me. Like, I don't know why they were doing that over and over again. Um, some of the play calls, the Hayward pass, the goal line, they ended up scoring on the sneak. Um, you know, th that play was mind-boggling to me. Like, there were just so many plays in this game where I was just like, 
I don't know what this team is. It looks like they're trying to lose um, offensively. And then obviously the, the plays at the end of the games, the third and short, the third and two, the fourth and two, and having no go-to play. Alex Kazora for Steelers Depot wrote about this, and I completely agree with him. Having no go-to play or concept or even idea, like we want to get the ball in this guy's hands and we'll live or die with the results. They didn't even have that, and they have talented players to do that. And they just acted like they had the Patriots wide receiver court and like they didn't know what to do with the ball. Like, um, absolutely horrendous. Trubisky on third down moved himself into pressure on that one as well. Uh, just, yeah, it was it was horrible. There was nothing redeeming about this offensive performance, really. Like, I thought it was a disaster across the board. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, so real quick, if uh, for people that do have PFF subs, if you go to premium stats, go by position, and then go allowed pressure, which is a quarterback uh, report, it doesn't have it broken down by week, but Trubisky uh, is now sixth worst in the NFL, where 20.7% of pressures he's had, we've credited as him as either fully or partially at to blame. And I'm looking at the back end on the website. This week was like worse than the overall total. Like he was responsible for about a third of the pressures last night. We charted as at least either, he was either entirely responsible for or partially responsible for. Um, yeah, this is also oh, I do see it. You can bring up, yeah, you can bring up single week. Sorry, I didn't oh, there you go. That. Okay, that's that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, this is great. There you go. I'll definitely be yeah. checking. So, out. yeah, shout out, shout out, a little, little PFF plug there. Uh, so, um, well, I actually do think that's one of the one of my favorite things we do is all that type of stuff because you know, offensive yeah. line, like you know, credit and blame and all that is is just such a cloudy thing in, in football coverage. Anyway. This is the funniest process versus results thing of all time, too, was when they ran the ball on second and 17, and then they actually did convert the third and 11 because Connor Hayward made like a spectacular play yeah. where yeah, he yeah. jumped over the guy and then also kept his feet and was able to extend the, the arm and, and get the first down. But it was like the fact that they converted after running on second and 17 was so funny because it's just like insane, insane process. And I get Maybe depending on field position, if you want to like set up a field goal or like, yeah, I guess you don't trust Trubisky not, not to turn the ball over because he probably would if you let him drop back on that play. But it was just so funny. Um, yeah, so many second and long runs, putting him in bad positions. I joke, we joke too, like, like the only trick look we saw was like three reverses or double reverses, like nothing else of uh, you know that that was remotely creative and and, and unique and interesting. Also, the tendencies last night. I mean. If Darnell Washington was on the field, they were yeah. going to run behind that side of the, uh, of the line. Literally, there was he had the one target, the one catch. But otherwise, it was the biggest tell of all time. And there was people were blaming him for one of them or Anthony Jennings. One of them he got, got tossed. The other Jennings just goes inside. It wasn't Darnell's fault. 
Anthony Jennings is already running directly through the gap before Darnold is even off of his off his third point. And again, you can say, okay, you should have gotten up faster. Whatever. Anthony Jennings knew exactly what was going to happen the moment they lined up on the field and was correct. And and that may have been why they had second and seventeen. So it was just like it was just it was a pathetic performance from top to bottom on offense. You had the timeout from Tomlin to decide to do a QB sneak on fourth and a foot to waste the time out there when you should have just been able to make that decision without yeah. using a timeout. Every person that was involved killer. in the offense. Yeah, yeah, which ended up being killer. Every person yeah. involved in the offense did a well, not like the, you know, the O-line when we mentioned, whatever. But yeah, it was it was embarrassing. Yeah, I thought the O-line for the second straight game was not the problem. Like, I mean, sure, like I wouldn't say that Dan Moore ever plays like great, but this wasn't like his worst game. Obviously, the matchups were favorable was more kind same last two weeks they faced a team with no real great pass rusher healthy and so um that factors in here but yeah it was just i mean there was there was just like not the offensive line was just overall not a, a major issue these last two games and they lose both of them and and you know this one ended up being close but it wasn't close for either so to do that and to have although i don't think the defensive line's been as good as it could have been last couple of games to not be like getting killed in the trenches on either side just speaks to how bad the game plan is, right? When you talk, when you get beyond that stuff, to me, it's so much of game planning. How do you use your weapons? You know, all that kind of stuff. Just couldn't do it. How do you stop the other team's top guy? Couldn't do it with Juju. Couldn't do it with McBride last week, like or on Sunday. Just a disaster in that capacity. Like they just game plan wise, they just got totally cooked. Um, you mentioned the Washington thing. 34 snaps in the game he ran routes on seven of them <laughs> seven of them and there might have been for some of those honestly it might have been like check releases like last resort he, he flares out so it's just a mess like they don't have any idea tendency wise like what they're doing and it it really is killer for them so um i uh oh sorry i'm looking at the wrong week my apologies for that uh let me give you that uh washington stat again uh eight of them okay so 30 snaps Eight were uh pass were pass play. Actually, he stayed in block one. So yeah, twenty one runs to nine pass plays when he's on the field. The the ratio and of of times he actually runs a route um is just almost it's completely laughable. Like what? Also, what's wrong with him? Like why can't he? Like why can't they? Why don't they trust him to do more of the pass game? Like he, what has he done that's that bad? Like I don't he understand. Ran, he got the a couple resistance. extra yards on the catch. He probably added two yards with a little you know a little scamper. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's very strange to me. Um, uh, yeah, very, very strange to me, no doubt. Um, I, I don't understand the resistance to playing so many players this season and just their evaluation of their personnel has me just completely, I'm just completely scratching my head. One of the worst seasons I can ever imagine from the usage of the wide receivers, George Pickens, six targets in this game. He didn't get targeted down the field at all. Like it was just a mess. Like I'm just like, do you literally not know any of your player strengths and weaknesses at this point? Like, I just don't understand. They don't lean into yeah. one thing that they do. Well, it's absolutely crazy to watch uh, an NFL organization do this. So this is a mess. It starts with Tomlin, obviously. And we've talked a ton. Uh, if you ever, in, if people are interested in about that, make sure you go listen to the podcast right before this. We, we really reviewed Tomlin at length, I think, and then talked Kenny Pickett. So I don't know, Brad, do you have any other comments in this game? And then I'll get to kind of what I wanted to do for today's topic. No, let's, let's get into it. Okay, so uh, one other thing I wanted to do, we did this on our we, on the Audibles and Analytics, my sub stack, Josh Capo and I did this for the Bucks, And it was kind of a healthy, helpful exercise, I think, to talk about basically where the team is headed. Um, we talked only in the offensive side of the ball so far uh, for the Bucks, But I think it would be helpful for us to do this on the offensive side for the Steelers as well and the defensive side. We'll probably hopefully get to do both units 
today on the show, but I'd like to talk about like who we think is a part of the solution long-term that's on the roster right now. Actually, I wouldn't even say long-term because that can be a very ambiguous term. Let's say short-term. So the next year or two, who is a part of what the Steelers want to do and want to build um, on this team uh, so, uh, based on where the roster is at right now. And so I thought we could go like locks, players that are, are locks to be here, like a Broderick Jones, for example, are locks to be a part of that process. Um, and then players who are like a preference, you know, Deontay Johnson, um, and then players that we that we believe that they should move on from and that position would then become a need. And then we'll look at kind of what the needs are and we'll do that on both sides of the ball. If that makes sense. No doubt. Yeah. Let's rip it. Okay. So I would say like players that are locks, if we just start, um, I mean, we have to talk about quarterback. I, this is probably the one that bears the most discussion, but we've already talked a good bit about Kenny. So I don't know that we need to go into his game and analyzing it that much, but more so what we think the organization will do. The report from Dulac that they thought about benching him and then he got hurt again. Um, even though he played well in that game in between, I, the team is not going to cut him or trade him. I don't think or anything like that. I think this a la Zach Wilson, he could be like a part around still and they see how he develops and grows and things like that. Um, but I don't feel that confident that they're going to go into the season with him as like the undisputed quarterback, you know, for this team, this upcoming season. I don't know that I feel super confident they'll do that. I agree. Uh, he'll be on the roster. Um, will he yeah. be the, hey, he's our starter, he's our guy? Like, I don't think so. It'll be, hey, he has every opportunity to retake the reins of that job and to lock it down, or, you know, it's going to be a true competition. I think I you said that on the last pod. That That's how I view it. How they go about that, draft, free agent, uh, you know, trade, whatever whatever they do to, to actually address it is a different conversation. Like, I don't think they're, gonna, they're never going to be like an Aaron Rodgers, at least in my opinion, type approach. Um, uh-huh. But, you know, you know, maybe, maybe maybe they do consider it. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. He'll be there, but it's just he's not going to be the unquestioned guy. Right. So we'll put him with the locks, but as an asterisk, I would say is probably the best way to go about it because he's going to be there. He's going to probably get a chance. I wouldn't even say compete, maybe, but like a chance to be in the mix. I would say, but I don't think that they're going to be tethered to him as the starter, and I don't know that they might draft somebody else. Um, so. So I'll put quarterback down under the needs. I think we both agree it's something that we're going to be talking a position we're going to be talking about this offseason, especially because they could lose their next couple games um, and then they're out of it. And does Kenny come back and play that last game? If that's all he can play, is that going to be helpful? You know, I wonder what they'll do if that if that does end up being the way that it shakes out. So um it also might be easy for them to say, hey, we lose all our games without Kenny. Maybe he's pretty val- maybe he's more valuable than we think. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> no, I don't put anything past this team. No, not at all. They mentioned Tyra. He did a tire up on the other angle in college and was out 26 days. So maybe that kind of gives us something of a timeline of what he's trying to aspire to. Every injury is different, but anyway. Yeah, I think it sounded like four weeks, and that would mean he's back for the Ravens game at the end of the year. The last one. So if they lose to the Colts, Bengals, and Seahawks, I don't know. I don't know. We'll just, see how the AFC shakes out. Yeah. But either way, yeah. one game, if you're letting that make a decision for you when the large sample size says he's not that guy, uh, I don't know. Um, so we'll put an asterisk next to Kenny there. Let's to running back. So Najee Harris uh is at least under contract for one more year. So I'll put him under the locks, and Jalen Warren is not going anywhere either. Um, so I'll put him under the locks. Jalen Warren, is he in exclusive rights free agent at some point or let's see here uh I'm trying to remember here next what... year i right. think it's let's see the third year of his three-year deal yeah next year is the third year of his three-year deal 
and then he'll be a restricted free agent in 2024 you know, after 2024 right okay yeah so he's he'll be here um he'll be yeah. in Pittsburgh so the running back position seems like it's in good hands uh I would say the the question was to wide receiver Pickens will be a part of this for the next couple of years I don't think there's any doubt there um the the question a lot of question probably resolve, revolves around Deontay Johnson at this point in time where I know some of the attitude concern stuff that really hasn't scared the Steelers off typically if this regime's in place I I tend to think maybe he'll he'll be a part of this he's got one year left on his deal I think after the season right? one year left yeah he signed a two year extension with with a year left and that was you know, this is the first extension year so one yeah. year left I think he'll be here for sure yeah there's some there's some stuff the effort on the fumble we talked about sure but it's not that bad. And, you know, I, I like, you know, it, the, the, it'd be the worse if his frustration wasn't like 100% warranted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, that too. But yeah, like there was the clip of Tomlin like kind of barking at Pickens, uh, you know, on the broadcast, they were talking about it. Like, and then after that, he, you know, broke down in the end zone, had a couple. And again, his frustrations also warranted one target in the first half. Um, but anyway, I think both of those guys are, yeah, stone cold locks. The Pickens play where everybody's like, look at his effort. And like, look at this play, the one that was going viral. I'm like, he is literally on the backside of a stretch concept to the opposite side of the field on that play. Like, I was just like, what do you want this guy to do? This doesn't make any sense to me. Like, this happens all the time, every game. Like, I'm not saying Pickens is a great attitude. I'm just saying that right, play was right. a ridiculous example of that. In my yeah, opinion. I, I didn't see the, the one in the end zone. I did see the little tantrum. He was like, oh, like throwing his head back yeah. and. Yeah, yeah, which he's you know he's demonstrative in his body language, but it's how I felt on watching on my couch at home. So I get it. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, okay, so those two being a part of it simplifies things at wide receiver, which the position will definitely come back to. Um, what about tight end? What do you think that? I mean, Washington's going to be here as part of this part of the solution for the next couple of years. You would think. Grown as a blocker a lot. I mean, there's still issues at times, but he's definitely uh, a factor. He's been very helpful to the run game success. Uh, this season what do you think happens because pat farmworth was there one year left on his deal too i believe yep one year left on his deal he'll obviously be here um yeah tight end's also a slow developing position so darnell like the book has not been written about him in any way shape or form mm-hmm. um you know we see guys I'm actually excited to see him under another regime i think yeah yeah that's fair too uh yeah how he's deployed how the, that position's deployed but also just like it, it's it's one of the slower spots for growth but yeah Brian would be there. I think maybe you're asking, like, is he an extension candidate this offseason? Because it would be when he's eligible. I'm sure he they'll have conversations. Right? What's that again? You think? I, I I don't know. Like, I don't think he's eligible. I don't know if I'm yeah. saying it's going to happen. Um, I don't know. In this league, it's just it's interesting to where, yeah. like, I know you he has issues in his game. He's also probably a clear-cut top 12 tight end in the NFL. Like, And, again, yeah. that's not saying a lot, and I get that, but it's still true nonetheless. <laughs> And I mean, Cole Komet just got four years, fifty million this past offseason. Yeah. So that's true. That's <laughs> a good point, actually, because Fryermuth has shown more than than Komet had ever shown at that point in time, for yep. sure. Um, Komet probably better blocker. Um, definitely better blocker. Definitely but... better blocker. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. That's an interesting one. I, I wouldn't mind those conversations because you're right. Like I would just be excited to see him in another offense. I wish he was a better route runner because. I think that's where, like, he could be a really, just his hands and his yak ability. Like, he could be a great receiving tight end, but I just don't think he's a great route runner. If he was with a better coach and a better system to be able to scheme guys open that consistently found ways to just make it work a tight end, like, despite the fact that he might not be this elite route runner. Like, I've always said, Frymuth, I think, could be like Mark Andrews 
like very similar games, except for the fact that Andrews is just a better route runner. He has better idea what to do against certain coverages as a route runner. Fryermuth, probably because the coaching has just been so poor, there are a lot of plays you watch on tape and you're like, he should be running his route differently based on the coverage, and he isn't. Some of that is the fact that Canada doesn't really sight adjust routes, and so like he doesn't really teach guys how to do that. So it's really hurt Fryermuth's development. If he went somewhere else or there was a new regime, I'd actually be kind of excited about him because I think there's a lot of talent there. I think he plays hard. I don't think he's ever going to be a great blocker, but he doesn't have to be as bad as he was for the most of this season, the first half of the season before he got hurt. I think he could be better than that at least. So I'm still pretty interested in him long-term. I'm interested in all the skill guys with a new regime and a new quarterback. Yeah. Like I'm interested in yeah. all of them. Like I just imagine this year's version of Kirk Cousins with like a Kevin O'Connell. I just think this could be a really good offense. Like I, Absolutely. but you'd have to have the OC and you have to have the quarterback. Everything else isn't going to look as good or, or you're not going to feel as confident. I think probably as an average fan and all the other pieces until you have those things in place. Um, but yep. right now I think there's a lot of locks to be a part of the solution for this team next year on offense that are on the roster. So depending on what you think, whose fault it is on the roster this year, that could be either good or bad. Um, so let's jump into the offensive line. Obviously you have Broderick as uh, Jones is a part of this thing long-term. What do you think is the story with the rest of the offensive line moving forward? I think the the guards are safe. I think James Daniels and Isaac Samalo should be here. Daniels, again, I want to say is going into a contract year. Probably a guy you talk extension with. I mean, he's twenty. He'll, he'll be twenty seven years old in twenty twenty four. Uh, he was super young. He's a twenty year old rookie out of Iowa. Um, so yeah, I think he's been really really good this year. Um, Samalo, I also thought Samalo was awesome last night. He had a bunch of key blocks. Um, one of the reverses, I think he lit up like a, a DB or a linebacker, but he, he was good throughout. Mason Cole. He's got a year last night. Yeah, oh, say it again. He's got a year left on the contract. Yeah, and the funny, like last night, you hear him calling out who the mic is, calling out protections, kind of doing everything. You know, prime vision. Uh, not only can you see more, I guess also now you yeah. can you can hear even more. So like, no, he's I smart. Get that he's a yeah, you're right. Which Matt, so also this like probably a guy you go to and maybe try to talk pay cut. Like, hey, you're making four point seven five million next year as like probably a benched getting it benched center like. Cut that in half, and and maybe you still do start. Um, you know that's how I would approach it. And then the, the fascinating one is Chucks. Like if you're not going to play Chucks, you know why? Let me find his here. He's owed eight point seven five mil next year, which isn't exorbitant. But like if you're not going to play yeah. the guy, why would you not clear that money? Right. That is the fascinating part of this whole thing. Is is Broderick Jones a right tackle in their opinion? Is that where they want him? Because right, right now. Right. Like, would they really be willing to go with Dan Moore for another year? That That's the – to me, there's not that many offensive questions outside of quarterback, but that is one of them, right? Because you're right. Broderick Jones, Isaac Ciamalo, James Daniels, those guys should all be starting this year, next year. There's no way. I would be shocked if they just rolled with Mason Cole again. Uh, he can't even snap the ball. Like, And I'm not I just know, talking about the ones on the ground. I know. Multiple low snaps. He, yeah. But even the ones that nobody's talked about this year, you watch tape and you're like just the end zone view. And how many snaps are off to the right of Kenny Pickett? Or like Kenny's he is a, like, yeah. and it like adds yeah. another half second. It's like all this stuff matters in the NFL. The margins are so small. So that's where I, I would not feel confident about Mason Cole being part of the picture. Um, yeah. And I don't, frankly, at this point, feel like Chooks is going to be either because they can save money by cutting Chooks, can't they? A lot. Yeah. Eight, uh, yeah. No, it's eight, 8.75 mil. So it's like, yeah, why would you? Yeah, right. 
You're not. That's the thing. You know, Dan Moore versus him. We we agree Chucks is better, but you're not going to cut fourth year of a rookie deal. He's a fine swing tackle on a rookie contract. That we're not saying he's that bad. Like he's, you know, we don't we don't think he should be starting and whatever. But um, yeah, it's a, yeah. a that's a roster lock. You don't cut right. playable tackles on rookie contracts. So yeah, I guess you maybe move on from Chucks and also bring in competition. Do you? Yeah, like you said, you keep Roderick at right. Do you bring in competition and say, all right, Dan Moore, you're now competing with X person to be the right tackle starter? Or, yeah, that that could be one way of doing it. Either way, I think Dan Moore's going to be competition with someone to start a tackle and Broderick will start at the other one. Gotcha. Yeah, We could probably figure out which sides as that becomes more clear, but I think that that there's no doubt about that. How about we forgot to talk about him. Trubisky, they save money. His contract's up, isn't it? No, he's – well, like he could be cut. So let's see here. He is – he saves you about three mil if you cut him. I mean, Rudolph's also a free agent. I mean, Trubisky was obviously, we said, horrendous last night. And I don't really think, he's definitely a good guy. I'm always mean to him, former bear, etc. He's clearly a very nice person, very nice guy. This is probably the meanest thing I've ever said. I don't think he's much of an asset in watching film and stuff like that because I don't think he's the sharpest knife in the drawer. Um, again, I'm being a dick by saying that, but it's been my perception <laughs> I mean, look, he he gave the same canned answers in press conferences for four years in a row. I don't, I've never seen him like, yeah, make a mistake and then like the next time the same situation is presented, not make the same mistake. Like he's, I tweeted last night, he's been the same quarterback for six years. Like he literally, he yeah. was as good in his first NFL start as he was last night. It's it's insane. So he's worse. Long answer time. short, <laughs> you know, you can talk yourself in any other direction. It's not a lot of savings. Yeah. So you could say, why don't I just keep him as a backup? Or, you know, are we going to do that much better at backup QB? Or, yeah, we'll cut him because who cares? We'll bring in somebody else. You go either direction. Yeah. Reunite with Josh Dobbs. I think they have to cut him. I think they have to be done with it. Like, just because they need a better backup. Like, I don't, doesn't, yeah. I mean, the cost savings is nice a little bit you get, but you have to be done. He's, he's not the guy. Like, you got to, you got to find another backup. Uh, Works for me. Yeah. Bring back Josh um, Dobbs. And, and yeah, hey, why not? And Mason Cole. Also, you can't have that. You can't have a guy that can't snap. And this is going back. I, I went back. I recalled the other night. I was like, man, I remember watching him at the Senior Bowl, and I remember Arif Hassan and I were watching tape in the up in the up in the um, film room that they had there, and we were like, Mason Cole can't snap. He's a center that can't snap. Like his snaps were that at that time they were all off to the left, and it was just like, what is going on here? And then. He did it in games like the Cardinals game when he would play for the Cardinals, he would snapping on the low on the ground to Josh Rosen all the time. Just you can't have that level of inconsistency with the routine part. And this is like he's deep into his NFL career. I get he's a smart guy. He's a good leader. He's outspoken. He brings energy. He's super tough. Like all those things are true. And as a backup center for a team, you can do worse probably. But this cannot be your starter going into next year. So to me, offensive needs quarterback we talked about. Wide receiver three is huge. They've gotten nothing from the wide receiver three spot this year. Not that they've gotten anything from wide receiver one and two, the way they play offense, but I, but that is a, that's gotta be a priority for next year quarterback. And then center. I think those are the big ones. I, I feel like they're probably going to get some veteran at tackle and um, that, that comes relatively cheap and they'd be fine with Dan Moore starting again. And he has been a little bit better uh, other than Miles Garrett matchups um, since the early start of the season, but it's, he's yeah. That would be a mistake in my opinion, but I think that's what they'll do. Yep, agreed. Okay, defensively here quickly. Um, oh man. Yeah, that's that sets up our needs pretty pretty much on the defensive side of the ball, I feel like at this point. Locks defensively. Um, let's just start in the secondary. Obviously, Minka and JPJ are locks to be a part of this team um for the foreseeable future, definitely that's the next it. year or two. And that's it, right? Like that's the end of the list, in my opinion. Yeah. Yes. 
Yes. Everybody else in the secondary, I don't even think they should have on the roster next year, I would say. So Casey, yeah, the interesting, yeah, go ahead, sorry. Neil Sullivan, Peterson, Wallace. Like I wouldn't have any of them on the roster next year. Here's the thing so where a lot it's of like, players to replace, but exactly it is. And it's cost benefit though. Again, where it's like Pat Pete, you could save $6.85 million. Like, could you make the argument? You're not going to find a better player, you know, in a guarantee in a, in a draft pick or in free agency. Yeah. You probably could make that argument, but you just can't pay that guy $7 million. Like, it's just like, right. so yeah, no, I agree. It, that's it. I mean, I was a uh, harsh, I think on again, on the PFF show, I called Kazi and, and Levi Wallace below replacement level players. Wallace is probably replacement level. Kazi, I think, is oh. below. Oh, um, Wallace is horrendous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah. but like, Wallace you know, can't like, be played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, number three corner, you know, is tough spot. But like, Kazi is, I, I, it's, it's remarkable that he was the plan A starting safety for an NFL team in 2023. Like, it's honestly yeah. remarkable. It is crazy, and I think even Kazi and Peterson have even had enough. Like, you could talk yourself into it if you like had the goggles on and like love the guys and all that's you know you could talk yourself into keeping them around on the roster maybe uh, but yeah with peterson what you said the pay because he's at least pretty cheap right he's making three i think three mil but i still wouldn't pay that i mean you get, you I get pay that production either. for a minimum salary every yeah. single offseason like that's right, out exactly. there every year yeah 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 so i i mean i would i would be looking to move on from all those guys and plus you're getting off the contracts a year early pat pete yeah. the age how much declining athleticism even if he's been a little bit better than he was at the beginning of the year he's yeah. really just an accident waiting to happen on the defense. As soon as the quarterback level quarterback play that you face goes up, they'll get toasted again. Like that's just how it's, these things are going to go. Yeah. Um, Keanu Neal, just, I think he needs to retire. Honestly, he he's done in my opinion. And yeah. Shannon Sullivan has not been helpful at all. So you need to start over on the secondary. So one of the biggest needs on this entire roster is secondaries. We're talking about yep. corner and safety nickel, um, all of it. So that's a, that's where they need to spend probably most of their time this offseason once they figure out what the heck they're doing at quarterback. And obviously, I think a wide receiver three would be helpful at some point when that happens, if that's in the draft or somewhere else. Like, I feel good about their ability to find that. Lots of wide receivers out there these days. But, yeah, th- those to me are, like, the huge needs right now. And safety, I think it's by, it's by a mile. Because linebacker we'll get to. I do think it's a need long-term. Like, hopefully Cole Holcomb recovers. And I, I think we agree he's a starting caliber guy. I would bring back back in a Landon Roberts. I want to say he's on a one year deal and is a free agent, but I would bring him back. I but, think he's actually under contract oh, for another not, year. You're right. You're right. So he'll be back. Um, and he's know, making what, three role. and a half. Let's see here. He's definitely on the list. Uh, I think he's making think three and a half. You are correct. Yep, three point yeah. five, which is so, for me is fine. I, I'll pay that. Fine. I think he's he's earned that. Hundred. Um, but then outside of that, like you know, Quan Alexander also probably should consider retiring. Um, yeah, maybe I yeah he harsh. was actually de- like <laughs> yeah you know, yeah yeah that was harsh if i've never likes him but <laughs> <laughs> oh i didn't even know I that it, but like, i believe it yeah yeah he he is an unorthodox player i guess in some ways but like i do think and what's holcomb he'd be under contract for a couple more years if he comes back healthy i wouldn't have linebacker at the top of this list i'd have holcomb and roberts as the starters next year and feel fine let's just look at linebacker play around the league like it's just yeah. so bad like, or it's True. just like this level. Like, and if you're not paying for top guy, like I think these guys are fine. Like, I, I don't know. You'd be looking at it in the draft. I'm sure if a great option comes available, but it's just not the most valuable position. A lot of teams are working around it in today's NFL. I think Holcomb played pretty well when he was starting. And I think Roberts has played really well. How much of that is sustainable? Roberts is getting a little bit older. He's not a greatest athlete. I, I don't know, but I would, 
I would be really hesitant to move on from those guys, I think, given where this definitely wouldn't move on. Definitely wouldn't move on. It's more just like, do you know either of those guys can start for you in 2025? Like, no. So it's like, do you want to have nothing? So like you said, yeah, like you're sitting there in the fourth round and there's a prospect you like is there. Like, yeah, maybe you pull the trigger. I will say the one thing, if you want to point to one very specific, intentional or not, they do not invest anything at linebacker. And again, you have to have a good defensive line and ideally a good secondary to do so. Um, but, you know, Andy Weidel, again, like that, that to me is like, that's a, that's a plan. It's a strategy. It's an approach. They literally do not draft that position in the first top 100 picks outside of maybe a special circumstance like in a Kobe Dean. And they do not pay anyone at that position ever. So, uh, but yeah, more so just thinking like get some young guys in the building and maybe, you know, a fourth round pick becomes a starter in 2025. But yeah, corner and safety. I come back to this. Like if they didn't trade Chase Claypool and get Joey Porter Jr., like we're talking about the worst se- secondary in the NFL by like an order of magnitudes. Like, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like, that's... Would, like it would be Pat Pete and Levi outside <laughs> with Shannon Sullivan in the slot, <laughs> like with Demonte and yeah. now Minka, but like, oh my god, like and JPJ again, really good last night. Like they have to just be so encouraged. Like it, yeah, the fact that he was as yeah. raw. I know the penalties get people worked up, but to be as raw as he is, to take on the assignments he has, yeah. I mean, there are definitely things that need ironing out. He needs to get more involved in the run game for sure. Like yeah, I think uh, he he definitely needs to clean up some of the technical stuff. But the raw ability at his size and athleticism to be able to cover top guys the way he has and not get embarrassed like in these games, it's really impressive. So we'll see. The level quarterback play will go up. But I don't know if I... you saw. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I don't know if you saw, though. He's like either second or fourth. I forget. But he's top five. We we kind of we, we went, went through the season and tracked um, how often guys are shadowing number ones. He's the top five in the wow. NFL among not rookies, all corners in the amount of trailing he does of number one receivers so, yeah. like as a rookie. Pretty wild. He wasn't good enough to start until he was good enough to cover number ones <laughs> all over the <laughs> every game. It's just absolutely crazy. They literally like, well, he he's not ready yet. Like he's not ready. Levi Wallace, he gives us our best chance to win. Like <laughs> Levi Wallace is getting torched by like dudes who barely even make it in the NFL. And JBJ comes in in like two weeks. He's like covering number ones every single week for the large majority. It's like what this doesn't even make sense. Like. He, he was trailing a, a, a borderline Hall of Famer in like his second start. <laughs> it's, it's just absolutely outlandish. Yeah. Um, so okay, that's um that gives us a good uh, good look at what the top needs that are there. Now let's talk D liner real quick as we wrap this up. Um, there's really nothing. I mean, I don't think needs wise, they need anything, right? We, I mean, clearly players that are going to be a part of the solution for them right now defensively. Benton. Hayward's not going anywhere. How many more years is he under contract? I forget. Highsmith just definitely signed. Not, definitely next year. Uh, just next year. Just next year. Just next year. Okay. So Herbig uh, is here. Um, you know, you could go down the list defensive line. I mean, Ogan Joby's probably the guy we needed the biggest conversation about. I don't think he's been terrible this year. I know some people were just like flaming him after he played more than Benton. It's not his fault. <laughs> the coaches are crazy. Um, however, I don't think there's. I don't know with Benton's emergence that like, could you replace Ogan Joby? Look at Armand Watts. He's played really well this year. Like you're a defensive, you've re reignited Montrevious Adams career here. Like they've just done a lot of really good work over the years with defensive linemen and Ogan Joby making almost 10 mil a year to be your third best defensive lineman. I don't know that. It, I don't know. I don't know, Brad. I don't know if these six around. 
He's the big one. Yeah, 9.75 mil. I, I think it could lean towards no. And you say we have two studs, and then we can find rotational pieces. Like you said, there's a proven track record of doing that successfully. He was one of those guys on the first you know, one-year flyer. Yeah. Uh, so, That's yeah, right. I'm with you. But otherwise, yeah, it's just a bunch of great players building blocks. Or, again, like cheaper guys like a Leal, Loudermilk, like guys that you can play 20 snaps and you're not you know overly concerned about. Yeah, and I think people sleep on the fact Loudermilk's never going to be an every down player, but if you need him to take 15 snaps or run defense, like I think he can do that. He's he's solid to me. Um, he's gotten better this year, I think, as it's gone on and, and played pretty decent. I know uh, the the grades for this past game, at least for him, were not good. I will I'll look at that tape for sure. But up until that point this season, I think he's been uh, pretty good. And so, uh, but yeah, I mean, Leal has lost his spot in the rotation just because of how deep they are and how honestly how Armand Watts has played. Armand Watts has played really well. He's only playing 15 snaps a game, but that's what you need from those guys really. And he doesn't kill you on passing down. So to me, I, I think Watts is probably a free agent after this year or exclusive rights, maybe something like that. Have to check. Yeah, he now he's a full on free agent. Full on free agent. Yeah, that's right because he came from somewhere else. So yeah, I would I would just try to bring him back cheap. I think he's played really well, and I think they could get him back. And I mean, you need another guy probably at some point. But like, there's there's a lot of guys out there I, to good fill this night. kind of a role. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at his grade yet. Was his grade good from last night? Because I feel like he popped a little bit. Watts he had the highest grade on the defense. Last night, I don't know exactly. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. yeah I thought he played well. 86, 15 snaps, 10 were passive yeah, yeah, snaps. Yeah, yeah, he had two so. pressures, 86.6 mm-hmm. overall grade, wow, 81.9 run defense grade. Um, and just this year in general, like he is this has been the best year of his career. This is what the Steelers do that they 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 can do this on defensive line. There's no doubt they can do this. Uh, he's got a 77.7 grade this year per PFF and 232 snaps. Uh, and he's got 13 pressures and he's only the only, you know, he's not a great or some great rusher, but throughout his career, he's been consistently able to put up a little bit of pass rush production, you know, and, and, and win rate. So yeah, yeah Minnesota I, I liked him. Yeah. You liked him. Minnesota, Minnesota did. I know that they, they thought he was like a good developmental yeah. piece. Like they liked what, the tools that were there. Uh, yeah. It's always tough with timelines and like, how long can you keep a guy? And like, can you, you know, having 53 spots, but I remember Minnesota thought he was like a, a fun little, little pro, uh, player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've been impressed when I watch him on tape. He he doesn't get manhandled, and he's he doesn't have crazy upside, but he doesn't hurt you on any downs either. Like he can play all three. So the kind of guy I think they should keep around. Montrevis Adams, I think he's got another year. I remember you know, free agent. Free agent as well. He probably probably would be cheap to retain. So, yeah, Ogunjobi would be the one just because of what you save. And this team obviously has some cap space already, but that would be another significant chunk. Um being able to say him being kind of ancillary there. So defensive line wise, I feel like they're pretty good. Their needs defensively to me are really all in the secondary. Like I would be fine with everybody being back. Herbig finally got to play because the injured high Smith looked great last night, like played really well, um, continues to be what uh, we'll see if he gets to ever play again once I Smith's back, but uh, <laughs> it's definitely a step in the right direction. So this is a really talented, I think this is a talented team. Like I, I think there are not many teams that are like, we're rebuilding at head coach, offensive coordinator, quarterback, and can put this type of cast around. So, yeah, I just uh, – I probably put a lot of stock in that, and I think that it's a, it's a cozy situation. But, you again, the big spots are the ones that are messed up right now. Um, I think you can go out this offseason, you could probably fill these holes. So I would – and Omar, we trust, right? Uh, quarterback is obviously the big question. But if you talk about other than quarterback, needing – Another corner, a strong safety, not even somebody who could like has to be Minka level, but just like a, a table player, a nickel, 
needing a center. Like those aren't like positions where like, oh, they need a top pass rusher. They need, you know, a number one corner or anything like that. Like obviously they trust JPJ to do that. So I feel good about them being able to fill the needs on the roster. So let this podcast be a little bit of hope for Steelers fans feeling glum this week that they can possibly move on in the big areas. The the rest of the team I think could could really happen. Not only do they need to fill less premium positions that are easier in theory to get, but also I like the free agent class at corner a lot. Safety, you can always find free agents, especially kind of, you know, box players, strong safety types. And then you would know better than I, but I love this corner draft class personally. I don't know if people view it in a good light. I think it's got a lot of depth. Maybe it doesn't have a, you know, your, your mm-hmm. sauce gardeners of the world, but I think there's a ton of like, you know, top 100 picks that I that I like in theory at corner too. I uh, yeah, have not started any of that scouting process stuff yet, but I am excited to do so for sure. I'll actually probably start by looking at edge rushers this year. So I know this, that won't, might not interest Steelers fans too, too much, but I'll be looking at other positions as well when, and hopefully get to it. I usually get to wide receivers early in the process. The wide receiver three conversation is we might do a full pod on that at some point. What do the Steelers need at that position? <laughs> so that's good stuff though. That, that kind of gives us an idea going into the offseason. Okay. Quarterback, offense, quarter, head coach are obviously the big ones after that. Wide receiver three, center, cornerback, nickel, the other safety spot, whether you want to call it strong or free or whatever you want to do with it, that interchangeable safety. Um, those seem like other top needs to me. Um, so yeah, I am uh I'm pretty excited about the roster in general. And I I like Omar and I believe in Andy Weidel and I believe in what those guys, the vision that I think that they want for this organization. We'll just see if. Tomlin and Pickett and the rest are still there to, <laughs> to be. We'll see. Well. We shall see. But yeah, it's not all doom and gloom. There's there's some reason for optimism. It is at all. Yeah. So we want to give you a little, little reason for hope on this uh, loss. What do they call it? A victory? <laughs> this is the uh, <laughs> loss Friday or something like that. Oh, failure yeah. Friday. Monday? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tough weekend. Yeah. Loss, loss Fail- Friday. <laughs> yeah. This failure Friday going into your weekend. Failure Friday. Uh, <laughs> We wanted to give you a little shot of the arm, a little little inspiration uh, heading into the weekend. So hope you enjoyed it. If you did, pass on to friends and family. Uh, let them know where they can find the Steelers podcast. Numbers for the last couple of podcasts have been awesome, so we really appreciate you all uh, sharing those and spreading the love on those um, as this thing continues to build. We'll continue to produce more and more as much as we can and, and talk as much up as we can about this team, especially as we move into the offseason where a lot of important decisions are going to be made. That's really, I think, I think that's really where Brad, you and I are meant to shine. This is offseason content. So I'm very excited to be helping to guide Steelers fans into it. Uh, even if we got a couple more games left in the season, we'll see if they can win another one. But until next week, we appreciate you all. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Yin's No Ball podcast.